Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by Aviv, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to Lazarus and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus. We're of the Athletic. Uh, here on another fine Sunday, Mark. Hello. How you doing there, Scott? Doing well, doing well. I find that I'm getting bored. Like I like Netflix. Just now? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, more so. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel like I've had a whole lot of free time. I've had enough now that I just reading and I just I feel like I'm recycling and I, I don't even know if I'd be doing anything else. You know, like, I'm sure I'd be outside a little bit more, but I, I the, just the limited options. I feel like I've finally kind of hit a wall with. I had a moment yesterday, uh, me and my, uh, my eight-year-old daughter, we went out for a bike ride. And, you know, there's a great bike trail night right near our house, which is just something that's kind of kept our sanity this whole time. And we're riding around, and it dawned on me that this was the 70th day in a row without school, but it was technically the first day of the summer vacation because they just finished school this week. Okay. And it's like, oh, my God, that means we're just starting. We have, like, another, whatever, 70 days before even school might start again, and then it probably won't <laughs> anyway. It'll be some kind of hybrid thing, or I don't know what's going on. But it, it's just... It's 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 hard to get you wrap your brain around the numbers of just how much we've been sitting around doing nothing. Yeah, I had a rough day the other day. I bought a I bought a scale. I've been riding that bike, like I said, and I and I've been feeling pretty good. I just I knew that I wasn't eating great, but then I got on the scale and that was depressing. Realizing that I need to uh, <laughs> change my eating habits pretty drastically if I actually want to see any results. And um, that was the same day that Chris Cook got laid off too. And I just it felt like one of those days where it's like oh fuck, you know, like it just. Just felt a very heavy day, and we'll, we'll get into some of the Blackhawks news. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like there is there's finally some news to talk about, and, and part of it's the Blackhawks announced um, 
you know, salary reductions and, and furloughs. And then we found that at least Chris Cook, had, a good friend of ours, had, had been laid off, and it, it doesn't sound like he's the only person. So, um, And then there's obviously the news about the, uh, the 2014 format and, and the possibility of hockey returning. So um, I'm sure we can dive into both those topics a little bit more. Yeah, it's disappointing to see the Blackhawks. I mean, there's so many companies across the, the, the country are, are kind of, you know, some of them are really hurting. And, and, and it's understandable, but then you see a lot of them, it feels like they're almost using the pandemic as an excuse to cut people. Um, the, the, I mean, the, the, the Wurtz industry makes billions of dollars as a whole, and it's disappointing to see them make these draconian cuts when, you know, the White Sox aren't doing it. His, his, Jerry Reinsdorf's not doing that. He's, he's promised to pay everyone through the end of June so far. Uh, who knows what happens beyond that? But for the Blackhawks to be one of these teams that are making these cuts, we've seen like, you know, the Anaheim Angels just gutting their staff right before a draft even scouting and things like that you don't expect that from the chicago blackhawks it's disappointing it's it, it's it's kind of infuriating in some ways uh yeah, a lot of these teams like i i understand that that sports are a business but when you're a billionaire your your sports team is not your primary income source that you know rocky Wirtz isn't rich because of the chicago blackhawks he if he has the chicago blackhawks because he's rich and you know it, it's disappointing to see so many people's lives getting you know, upended just so that a billionaire can have a tiny little bit more in his coffer and Scrooge McDuck money bin. And, you know, it's like the, you know, my, 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 I probably even shouldn't talk about this. My wife works for the Chicago Tribune company. She's been on furlough. Uh, and everyone at the Tribune is going through that. And there's salary cuts and things like that. And meanwhile, their horrible hedge fund company that owns them, their vulture capital uh, owners, are giving out millions of dollars in dividends to stockholders. And it's infuriating to see people using the pandemic as an excuse to make these awful cuts. There's my rant. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder how much of the words, like how much they're these financial decisions are based on other companies too, where it's ultimately it's the bottom line of everything. You know, like is it because the liquor, uh, the liquor industry is probably suffering? You know, how much of the what are, the rest of the other businesses they own is it just the bottom line, and this is an easy place to cut and. Um, I you know I, ultimately I, I hope that we get a chance to talk to Rocky and, and Danny Wirtz and kind of understand. I mean we have a lot of questions about from the president and stuff. There's certainly this and uh, and so much more of the future of the organization and, and, and unfortunately we just haven't had that opportunity yet. So um, I yeah I just I, on the surface this doesn't look good and, you know especially when you see what other organizations are doing and the fact that they're on the supporting. same day the White Sox said that they were going to the same day yeah. that this came out the White Sox said they weren't going to do this. It's a bad yeah. luck. And I get that they didn't want to announce that they were going to cut people too, you know, in the original announcement in the memo. But it just it doesn't look great either. Where Chris Cook and whoever else got laid off kind of fell in the other measures, and it just it wasn't how um, you know furloughs and, and salary reductions are one thing, but letting people go completely is another. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I think we've been following the website a little bit, seeing if, if there's names removed, and I, and I see Chris Cook's name still listed there, so I'm, um, but uh, just kind of seeing how, yeah, how large the, the cuts were, and, in you know, even, um, yeah, again, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I just, it seemed, you know, it's one thing to furlough and reduce, and then another thing to get rid of people, so. And, you know, this is my skeptical anti-capitalist leanings, I know everyone's going to yell at me for it, but I wonder just how much they're spending on that consulting firm that came in to make all these cuts and how many salaries that could have saved, you know, in, in, during the pandemic and maybe, you know, a couple, it just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very dismayed and disillusioned on the business world as a whole throughout all this. Cause I just keep seeing 
the COVID become a cover for these or massive organizations to do bad things. Well, we even, we even talked about it on Slack the other day was that, it, and I get that they're two separate things, but you, then all of a sudden the hockey decisions become, you know, putting, putting those under a microscope and you're, and you're putting players up in Ritz Carlton's and, and, and you're, you're spending one way deals. I mean, I get that the Robin Leonard signing was, uh, wasn't really anticipated and kind of fell through, you know, kind of came late, but you, you paid Colin D, uh, I think, uh, you know, it was a million dollars this year. I think a little bit more was an actual salary, but he's got a million dollar cap hit and he played in the American league. And, you know, you've had one new deals for Victor Svedberg and Drew LeBlanc and guys that, um, you know, barely played in the NHL or, you know, just, it's, I think some of those decisions were, and I get it was a different time, but I, it's hard to kind of balance all that when when you see people, you know, just losing their yeah, jobs. Yeah, we used to we 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 used to always make crack jokes about who was the king of Rockford this year, dating back to uh, Drew LeBlanc, who was making like one and a quarter million dollars to be in Rockford, and then Victor Svedberg after that. And you know, it was funny at the time. It's less funny when you think about how many you know regular worker salaries that couldn't could have covered for another year or so. And it's 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 these are the things that come up when you're when 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 the situation changes when you're on top of the world and you're spending money because you're making money and all those playoff gates i understand that the blackhawks were making more money 5 years ago than they are now i get that but then then like you said you go back and you rethink some of these decisions where that money didn't have to be spent the way it was spent and they were being making bad decisions that affect people's lives now yeah um I, i'm curious too how I, I guess after all this is done how I wonder whether teams operate differently, you know, whether that becomes, um, you know, whether they think some of these through, like where, where the costs are actually going. And uh, I'm sure that, and, and, and it's still strange with the Blackhawks because I get that Denny Wirtz took over for John McDonough and, and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's in charge and he probably wants to take more of a thorough look. It's just, it feels like it could have waited, you know, like maybe there are cuts to be made and it just, it's everyone's suffering in the, and, yeah, to, to put someone out of work and, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know, just, it, it feels yeah. like time, it maybe just, it doesn't, you know, you know the time didn't make sense uh, for the Blackhawks where they probably want to be aggressive and do these things, but it just, it's, it just, it looks bad considering what, where, I guess, the rest of the world is, you know? Yeah, it's never a good time to have mass layoffs, but to do it in the middle of a pandemic when these people, whoever they are, are not going to be able to get jobs, you know, going forward because there's no jobs out there right now. It's it, it comes across as callous. And again, businesses are businesses. I get it, I get it, I get it. But the Blackhawks do have the luxury of being able to absorb the financial blow better than a lot of companies do. And it's disappointing to see that they know. That's that's all it is. It's just, you know, and, 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 and these are these are whoever it winds up being when we find out who all got cut. It's going to be people we know. It's going to be friends of ours. So we're taking it personally. I get that. This, this is not necessarily the most unbiased look at this. But it, it, it just it, – it hits home when, you, when it's people you know. It's people who work hard. People do good work. And they're being cut, uh, you know, kind of callously at the worst possible time by a team, by an organization that doesn't have to do it right now. You could do this after everything, the dust settles. If you had to make these cuts, you don't have to do it right now in the middle of a pandemic. The, the, the Wurtz Beverage Company is not at risk of going under in the next three weeks, you know? Yeah. Some, I, I've, I've – Felt some in the athletics in, in a decent point, you know. I, I think we all could use for high, you know, sports to come back sooner than later. And but most, some of it's made me feel guilty because I know that so many of our our friends and people in this industry and freelancers and full timers and, and certainly even your wife and just um, yeah, I don't know. It just it's I I I, I try to you know. F- 
just look at it all ways because even if we're not struggling or if it's it's okay for now it doesn't mean it won't be okay in the near future and and and, and i even get that i get I think we both lean the same way, at least politically, and um, that I, I get why people are angry about having to go, uh, you know, maybe not so much wear masks, but, you know, why people aren't are upset not having their businesses open and people are being affected uh, at all levels of uh, this. And I know billionaires are being affected at some level, too, but um, I don't know. I, I also feel like we're, we still live in Chicago and we still see the numbers, and I know there's a political push, I'm sure, that I'm... They're going to start opening things up in Chicago around here. But when you look at the numbers, uh, numbers are still pretty bad. And people are, the cases are, you know, in the thousands still throughout Illinois. And uh, hundreds of people are still dying. And, yeah, I don't know. I just, it, it's hard to balance all those and um, feel like what's what's most important for society right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, like uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York just announced on Twitter a little while ago that, you know, teams can start opening practice facilities and have training camps and things like that. Chicago's going to get there soon, too. I, I, I was, you know, I saw a picture today of a, of a Northwest Indiana Marshalls where there was a line of people, like, around the block to get into a Marshalls. A Marshalls! That is not essential, but, you know, people want to get back to it. I understand the desire to get back to that, but it, 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 it's... I don't know. I think we're headed... I think this is going to get worse before it gets better. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. I hope I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. But, you know, here we are. Let's let's talk about the, the 2014 playoff that may or may not happen. Everyone, you know, the, the NHLPA didn't approve it necessarily, but they approved to continue talks on it, that the, the basic structure is okay. They got to work out the details. Only the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes said no, um, which is interesting because the Lightning, you know, uh, Joe Smith, uh, had a, he talked to Alex Kalorn, uh, who is the Tampa Bay player rep, and their reasoning was that it's not entirely fair to the good teams because the the quote-unquote bad teams are going to be playing meaningful hockey games in this play-in series. Like the Blackhawks will be playing the Oilers, and that's meaningful playoff-style hockey, while the top four seeds in each conference will be kind of just screwing around playing each other for seeding purposes and won't have that same intensity. And I get it because Tampa Bay got swept in the first round last year after the best regular <laughs> season ever because they hadn't played a meaningful game in months. I understand that. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, the, that they and the Hurricanes, you know, because hockey seems kind of – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of docile. Like, they'll go along with the flow where, you know, baseball's going to fight and basketball's going to fight. Hockey, I just assumed, would go along with it. But it's interesting to see, you know, the Penguins weren't happy. They voted yes, but they weren't happy about this, that there is some friction there about getting back into getting back to playing and trying to do this in a fair manner. Yeah, and, and, and I get that too, you know. Like, it's there's so many different elements. It's one, it's like, are, are the Blackhawks and Canadians, those type of teams, do they deserve to be in this? And then... Uh, it's it's what what creates a balance of still allowing the the higher seeds to have the competitiveness you know they have that competitive uh, edge um and, and I, I don't know what the answer is because i, I already feel like the competitive balance is going to be shifted depending on who's been skating and um you, you think about training camps i mean usually when teams come into training camps uh, they've already been skating for even now more you know 10 years ago it was you know guys took a lot of off seasons off but now it's um, guys are taking a week or two off and, and then, you know, working out and then getting on ice, getting on the ice a lot sooner than, than, than before. And even now with, you know, the Blackhawks having the facility, um, you know, when I did that story in Troy Parchment, those guys, those guys work year round now because uh, there's always someone at the rink or, you know, always working in those facilities. So uh, the amount of time that they've had off now, it's where it's, you know, two plus months and 
Um, you're going to have to get guys up to speed, and then it's one thing to get up to speed in skating, but then also get at a competitive level, and um, there's so many different elements to that, and and then, you know, teams, players are getting healthier, and then if, if you're Boston or, you know, Tampa or any of these top teams, you still want to have, um, you still want to feel like you have a better shot of winning the Stanley Cup as you did when, when things went on pause, and I, I don't know what the answer is, you know, it's, um, it's not like you can give someone home ice now, it's, um, I don't know if it's if the, the, the lower seed has to win more games in this series or you know like how, how creative do you need to get or or if it's just the reality is is um, it is what it is and, and some teams that probably were going to have you know be more successful if the season had entered originally it's just it's, it's just not realistic now. Okay, so according to this ad copy, I'm supposed to read smelling good is important. Who knew? I wish someone had told me that back in high school. Well, apparently Hawthorne smells really good, and getting Hawthorne cologne is super easy. You can just go to their website, Hawthorne, with an E at the end, .co, not .com, and take their two-minute quiz. It'll ask you all kinds of questions. What you like to drink? Uh, what you like to do on a night out? Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you sweaty and disgusting, or are you not sweaty and disgusting? And it'll assign you everything you need to not be disgusting anymore. It's kind of ideal. Uh, you can get uh, results that'll tell you if you're spicy and aromatic or fresh and aquatic for work and play. It's very specific, all kinds of stuff it's got for you. Um, it's a great gift for Father's Day. You don't have to leave the house. You don't have to put a mask on. You can stay safe at home and order it online. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Did you get that? Because it's hawthorne.co. I'm generally okay with this. I think this is the best of all the, they're, they're all bad scenarios. It would have been bad to go right to 16 teams because do you go by points percentage? Do you go by points? Not every team that played the same amount of games had the, or had a balanced schedule. So I didn't like that idea. The 20 team cutoff would have been easier in terms of uh, scheduling it and making it fair. But the difference between the 20th team and the 23rd or 24th team isn't that great. I mean, the fact is, no, the Blackhawks were probably not going to make the playoffs, but they were six points out with 12 games to go. That's not insurmountable. We've seen it happen before. So I think it's okay to get them in. Now with the 24, nobody nobody who, nobody who, really has a chance to bitch in, in terms of, oh, we should be in too. I mean, I'm sure Buffalo's not thrilled. But, you know, that's Buffalo's lot in life in hockey, it seems. I think that this is an okay system, but there have to be some significant tweaks. I mean, yeah, you talk about home ice. I mean, I guess that the top seeds will get second change, which is a, a huge advantage. Let's this matchups, mm-hmm. things like that. But is it for every game? Is it for some of the games? Right now, the NHL's version has the teams bracketed. They love their brackets, even though nobody does them. Um, they definitely need to. They, the players are pushing to reseed each round, and they have to yeah. do that. I mean, you look at the way the Western Conference is set up right now, and you have the Blackhawks against the Oilers. That's essentially the top seed of the play-in against the worst team. The Blackhawks are the lowest seed. And if the Blackhawks win that series, which they very well can, they've won two out of three against the Oilers this year. They've held Connor McDavid to no points in the two times he played against them. They can win this. Corey Crawford's good enough. Arrested Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. There's enough pieces to win a short series, five-game series. And if they win that series, if it's not reseeded, they get Dallas, the lowest of the top four seeds. And that's a, an advantage over having to play St. Louis which is a much better team than Dallas. So you have yeah. to reseed. You can't let that, you can't have a 12 seed. If your goal is to not have a 12 seed make a run and it seems like the NHL really doesn't want that although they love the Blackhawks, don't get me wrong, then you have to reseed to make this as fair as possible. If the Blackhawks beat the Oilers, they should have to face the Blues. They're the worst team st- standings-wise, points percentage-wise, points-wise in this conference. They should have to face the best team, which is the St. Louis Blues. So it's important 
that they reseed that. And I'm glad to see the players push for that. I was looking. I was pull, I pulled up the numbers when you mentioned the Hawks and the Oilers, and uh, Blackhawks had a better expected goals percentage in all three games. Um, they uh, they won two out of three games. They uh, yeah across the board. You know, the Corsi, all that was. Uh, this is a team the Blackhawks have fared well against. It's uh, yeah, it's probably not the best matchup the Oilers are hoping for. Um, no. and, and now you know I, I, the story of their day where you, you, Kelvin DeHaan is is probable the return and um, that certainly adds to the defense. And he he was playing it. You know, there'll be some questions about him getting back up to speed and, and like a lot of the guys, but him especially since he hasn't played since um, December. But um, you are going to get some guys healthy. It sounds like you know Kajula and Boquist and um, you know some other guys were that were hurt at the end of the season. Will, will be uh, you know be ready to play too. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons, you know, in the way that, you know, if Coy Crawford can play as he was, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't count out the Blackhawks. And, you know, if, if there is a bracketed situation, you know, um, Edmonton and Dallas aren't aren't the worst options. Let's look at some of these series because I think it's uh, there's some interesting ones. You got Pittsburgh-Montreal. Now, Pittsburgh's mad because of the Carey Price factor. They think that it's unfair that they should have to face Carey Price in the short series. But Carey Price has been... The average to below average goalie for a few years now. This isn't Sochi carry price we're talking about here, so I don't think that's too big a concern. The Penguins will be healthy, and they'll be really good. I'll tell you, the series I like in the East is Carolina versus the Rangers. You know, the Rangers were playing amazingly well going into this. They, they forced their way in. I could see Artemi Panarin going off. Carolina's a really good team. That's a series. Like I could, I could see why Carolina wasn't thrilled with this matchup and why they might want to vote no. Um <laughs> And look at the West, Vancouver, Minnesota. Like, people forget how good Minnesota was playing down the stretch. After they fired Boudreaux, they, it all just went great for them, and they were playing this great brand of hockey. The Canucks are young and fun. These are some good series. you got Calgary, Winnipeg, old school, like uh, 1980s, what was that, the Smythe Division? There's some really good matchups in here. Uh, God, I just want to watch hockey. I hope it happens. I don't think it's – I'm still, skept, still skeptical it'll ever happen. But, man, just the idea of these series. I and, mean, yeah, it'll be weird and sterile and there'll be no fans and it'll be just strange and the, the hockey's going to be sloppy because nobody's played in so long. I don't give a fuck. Let me see these series. I want so badly for this to happen. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical too. I just, it's, this is such a, I get this is a major hurdle to figure out a format, but then it's, it's figuring out the sites and the logistics and, um, and even if they do plan ahead, I feel like it's something that's going to happen in, you know, what, what's the NBA shooting for late July? Um, yeah. and I feel like that's even, that would seem soon for the NHL almost considering you have to bring in guys from all these different countries and, um, uh, and you're talking about multiple sites. You're not just talking about Orlando, too. So yeah, I, it's um, I, I'm all you know. I, it, it's nice that there's something to talk about, and, and we can talk about some actual hockey scenarios, and um, and the fact that Blackhawks may have an opponent, and I'm sure that gives some direction for the, the coaching staff and and all that too, just to have something to prepare for, where uh, whether or not it happens, it, at least probably makes you feel useful. Um, you know, even this week, you know, writing. Yeah, we've been writing so much about nostalgia, but it's they have something to write about guys that could be healthy, or you know, or um, yeah, just it's it's nice to think about hockey again and, and having actual games. And um, I, I do hope they 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 all does come together. And I hope you know the cases and all those things um, you know throughout the country drop. And, and we're, we're talking about uh, you know if we're talking about hockey in late July or August, that it's a, it's a different world than we feel right now because um, it would be a, it would be a pleasant change. 
Yeah, I mean, if you think about the time frame of it, you know, it's going to be a couple of weeks before they hammer out the details, certainly, and before anything's official. Then you have to get players over from Europe, and they have to quarantine for 14 days once they get here. you got to figure out the border issue, too, because right now the Canadian-American border is basically closed to non-essential travel. And I don't think the NHL would be deemed essential. Well, you got to figure out where they're going to practice too, right? Like, right. Th- 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 these are all these things you have to figure out. So let's 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 figure it's at least a month before you have the logistics, and then you have to bring everybody over, and then you have to have like a three week training camp, and then you probably have to have some kind of scrimmages, some kind of preseason games. I know the players want to see. So you're already talking. You're into late July already. So yeah, I yeah. think in August September. I mean, that's kind of what the NHL has been saying all along, though, is an August September playoff. And then you start the next season in November or December. They're, 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 they think that they can start the next season in December and still have an 82-game season. That's going to be a hell of a year. I don't know how you're going to pull that off. I'd be fine if they just went to like a 70-game year next year if they, actually, they managed to pull all this off. But there's so many logistical hurdles to overcome before they actually drop the puck on a play-in series. I mean, I can't imagine it happening before August. And I think they're going to want to see baseball first. They're going to want to see the NBA kind of – you know, the NHL has been – it's interesting because all of a sudden the NHL is taking the lead. They're, they're the farthest along now because there's the most agreement between their union and their, and their owners. But for a while there, they were kind of waiting to see what baseball and basketball would do. And I think, frankly, they'd rather see the other ones start before them so they know what not to do wrong. Well, I, I talked to League Source, and maybe I mentioned this before, but he had thought that if, if you're on a team where you don't think like you have a realistic shot to win the Stanley Cup, that it, it might be better not to be joining this – you know, joining the season because you'll have a full proper off season and get on the you know ice again properly. Because his his worry was that he thinks injuries are going to be just just rampant next season because yeah. a lot of these players aren't going to have the proper rest and you push teams through playoffs like this and then ask them to restart and their bodies are all out of whack. That that was his concern that he thought that just maybe having a full regular off season might might benefit it. So. And it's really they're gonna have to figure out the draft too. Where I guess if you know if the season does push into August or September, um, do you do you do a draft before that or you know like I, there's all these draft picks and guys and and, and you know um, guys that are probably um, maybe a few of them you know you know could be in the NHL next season, but you know they're also probably players kind of determining where they're gonna play next season and you know um, I guess the they probably a lot of them already have kind of decided whether it's college or or Canada or wherever, but I feel like those guys are kind of sitting here waiting to kind of figuring out where their where their fates lie. It's amazing how many people's lives are just in limbo right now. Um, these pro athletes, their whole lives are so regimented and so scheduled within an inch of their lives, and all of a sudden they're just waiting and waiting yeah. and waiting and waiting and not training. And you know, the, you know, if you're an NBA player, chances are you got a basket like a half court in your house. Or at least on the driveway somewhere. These hockey guys, they, they haven't been on the ice in months. And they, they, they've never done that before. Like, players aren't used to this. And then, and then if you start in July, their bodies are, like, trained to be in a rhythm where July is not the month where they're used to skating. There's so many just external factors and, 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 and unusual circumstances with this that it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be probably scary to a lot of the players. And I think you're right that the injuries are just going to be just crazy. And that's going to bleed into the following season. So, yeah, maybe, I mean, the Detroit Red Wings are going to suck next year, too. But some of these teams that aren't in the top 24 will have a significant advantage coming into the 2020-2021 season if, you know, we ever get to that point. It's weird because, you know, we talked to Dennis Rasmussen and I talked to Marcus Kruger this week for uh, 
Uh, we can get in a little bit into that uh, the story we did comparing the cop teams, but uh, you know he's walking around on on his Bluetooth or whatever, just you know walking around and with all the people, and you know he said he's working out every day, and um, they've been on the ice a little bit, and it sounds like some guys have been on the ice more than others, and um, you know they're working out in groups, and you know like it's just it's it's a different place. I um, I'm sure for the Swedish players that you know they've been able to get on on the ice and and, and have more normal routines that they'll they'll come back feeling a little bit better and um, I'm not sure what it is you know from situation you know from country to country but um, it, it sounds at least in Sweden things have been you know have been slightly open or opening um, over the last month there and it's been you know getting pretty you know close to back to normal so. Um, yeah, maybe you know, put the money on the, on, the, on the Swedish players coming back and and, and excelling just because it'll be a little bit closer. But it, it's so it's so strange, you know. When I talk to those guys too, it's, you know, I talk to Kruger, like, um, you know, what we're living and how we experience it to what they are is just it's it's night and day right now. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the 2010, 2013, 2015 debate. You know, I think that people at the time maybe differently, but like when you look back on the 2013 Blackhawks, I don't think there's an asterisk there. I don't think most people think about the fact that that was a shortened season. Do you think that there will be on this one, whoever gets the Stanley Cup at the end of this, do you think that that one will be tainted somehow? It, it, it depends on who wins, right? <laughs> you right. Know, like if, <laughs> if the Blackhawks win it or Montreal wins it or someone that probably, uh, yeah, I, I think there'll be some, some angry people and it'll always be that, but... I don't know. I feel like, and I get there's a lot of financial push for this, but I think they're, I think fans are just so hungry for sports, and and whoever comes back first, or, um, it it just it feels like it means a lot to people. You know, I mean, people are watching Bundesliga, uh, you know, German soccer now that probably were, were barely even soccer fans. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think it's you're still gonna have to it. you're still gonna have to beat four or five really good teams to win the Stanley Cup. It's still yeah. going. If anything, this is going to be almost more impressive. Let's say like the Boston Bruins win this whole Stanley Cup, they're going to do that through a pandemic. They had a great regular season and then managed to keep it together through a pandemic. Then came back and had a weird, sweep through this weird body system and then beat, let's say the you know the 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 Maple Leafs, the Rangers, and the Penguins. That's a hell of a run. I don't. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to diminish that. I think it, it'll be no, it'll no. be an asterisk in some ways in that it was strange, but I don't think that the accomplishment should be diminished in any way. No, no, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, it'll always be known as that season, but I don't think those players or that those communities whoever win are going to treat this any. Well, I guess they will have to probably treat it differently, considering people aren't going to be at bars probably, or um, <laughs> you know, out in the streets having a Stanley Cup parade. And most I loved, I loved Sean McIndoe uh, had his, his thing where the, this will be the year that the Maple Leafs finally win when they can't have a parade and they can't go there to see the games. This will be, and it'll be tainted forever. This is the year <laughs> the Maple Leafs finally win the cup. I love that. <laughs> it's gonna be so strange. I mean, if they're playing without fans, and do you um, still do the, like the hoisting the cup and going around the rink if there's no fans there? Yeah, Maybe, for I sure, guess you do, right? right? Like it's... <laughs> it's, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like ten employees in one corner who are just applauding you. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, so 2010, 2013, 2015. We had that story. That I've been wanting to write that forever. You and I have been talking about yeah. it for a while. Uh, it was really fun to get. You know, we got six former players. You know, we got who was Bickle, Boland, Hosa, Kruger, Versteeg, and um, uh, uh, Patrick Kane. Kane from I, 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 I talked yeah. to Kane, yeah, I talked to Kane about it last year, so I used some of that stuff that I hadn't used. And uh, it's interesting because like Chris Versteeg and Bickle and Boland, all of them immediately said 2010 without any hesitation. And Versteeg was like, "There's no doubt about it. Like, there's no other discussion there." And 
you know, those of us that weren't, you know, that that watched from afar and watched it unbiased, I think most of us think the 2013 team was a superior team to the 2010 team. But there's such emotion tied up in that first. You know, you always remember your first, right? And I think I think emotion kind of clouds some of these guys' memories a bit. Well, Hosa said that he thought the size of the 2010 team was was greater, and that uh, he thought in the bottom six, especially. And um, yeah, but it's 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 hard because it's uh, for me there is a little bit of an asterisk to that 13 team just because it's um, it was a shortened season. I feel like they the goalies were used differently, and um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was it was so condensed, but. It's hard to argue with the success they had and how dominant they were, and and I mentioned the story too. Just not having covered that 2010 team, there there's a little bit of a disconnection with with that team. And um, but it was funny even talking to you know Kruger, where they they had such a some of the guys just had a hard time you know picking like they they're really and I think there's a, a soft spot for that 2015 team because they they, they feel like they came together or something and. Um, you know, kind of dealing with stuff off the ice and then um, probably, you know, just being outmatched at times on the ice and, and, and not expected to win. And, um, yeah, for them to, to come back and really persevere, I think there's a, a lot of those guys embrace that team and, and even now would be like, yeah, I, I get this team's more talented than the other. But that, that 2015 team just, they, you know, they just had something where it wasn't going to lose. And so I think even some guys were like, yeah, you know, I, I get the 2013 teams better on paper, but... I wouldn't bet against that 15 team either. Yeah, that 2010 team was the bond. They had the, the greatest unbreakable bond where they were just all such good. It was so close-knit. They were all young and single and had a blast. 2013 was just everyone at the height of their powers. But 2015, these were just I, – I kept. I remember I kept calling them unkillable hockey zombies. Like they just – they should have lost almost every time. They just refused to. They were just so hardened at that point. And an interesting discussion came up in the comments of that story where people were saying that 2014 might have been the best. I don't know if I agree with that. It didn't quite have the well-roundedness of the other ones, but I know that Blackhawks fans cling to that. They're still mad about that. They were one goal away from another Stanley Cup because, let's face it, they would have beaten the Rangers that year just like the Kings did. But uh, do they win in 2015 if they win in 2014? There's so many variables. Like I always kind of laugh at fans who who lament that like, you don't get to complain when you've won three cups in six years, but it's also, it, it's, it's a natural human instinct to wonder what if. And, you know, I, I talked to Corey Crawford about that. He says, we think about that all the time still. Like, you know, we could have won three in a row. We really feel that we should have won three in a row. Um, so I guess it's just a natural human instinct to, to lament the what ifs, even when you've had such highs. It, it's been fun to get to get to some stories that we've been talking about for a while. And it's now the fact that this has been going on for two months, like it's, it's kind of crazy. Like even now, thinking back, like the stories that we wrote just right afterward, you know, it's like uh, writing the story about story about Gizmo and his, his positive optimism, and it's like, wow, God, yeah. I, I texted with him the other day, and it's like, God, it's been two months since I wrote that, <laughs> you know, like just getting around to the Kim Janssen story and, and getting around to this story, and it's, uh, I think we're we're definitely running out of stories soon here, and it's nice to maybe have some things to. Uh, actually, write about news-wise, but it's um, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting journey, at least from from our perspective. I know we talked a lot about this last week in our kind of our journalism podcast, but it's um, it, it's felt good just kind of knocking off some stories that I know that we've discussed for a while now. Yeah, no, it's been fun. It's been a challenge. It's been like this is a challenge unlike anything we ever faced as sports writers. I, I mean, you know, I imagine it was kind of like this during the 2012 lockout. But I was covering college football. You were covering college and high school basketball still for ESPN, right? And uh, 
So we weren't really involved in that lockout coverage where you're desperately scratching and clawing trying to find something to write about. I wish I, you know, I, I, at that point we had pretty much stopped covering high school and colleges. I think I was helping on back on bears and bulls and some things. And I, I wish I was, I wish they had sent me to Rockford or something when it would, it would have just felt like such a leg up, you know, like having a relationship with yeah. those guys or covering that team. Like, I mean, Saad was there and Kruger and there were a lot of guys who ended up being on that, that cup team. But I, I think I, I would have, uh, I really would have enjoyed kind of covering, you know, like there were so many NHL or even sending guys abroad to cover Kane or whomever. Like I felt like there were, um, at that point, I, I really didn't sort of, I guess I didn't really acknowledge that I was about to become a hockey beat writer and was was pushing <laughs> off to the side as much as possible. But um, yeah, I found out in uh, in in late October, I was still covering Notre Dame at the Post Tribune for the Sun Times. In late October, I got the call up to the majors, so to speak, where I was going to be was going to be replacing <laughs> Adam Johns, who was moving to the Bears, but I was going to finish out the Notre Dame season and. Uh, me and Johns were going back and forth. I remember during the uh, BCS championship week when I was in South Florida, I was writing like six stories a day. So I last, but there was these rumblings that the NHL lockout was going to end in a matter of days. And I was just, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a religious man, but I was praying that it happened while I was still in South Florida. Cause I'm like, okay, so let's say the lockout ends right now. I don't know anybody. I can't call anybody. I don't have anyone's phone number. Nobody knows who I am. Who am I supposed to call? So there was the day before. It was the Saturday morning. It was Friday night into Saturday morning that the uh, lockout was officially ended. They had that really late press conference with uh, with uh, Gary Bettman and everybody. And I just remember <laughs> I texted John. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's your problem. And he had to write like two <laughs> days of coverage. I got to finish out the Notre Dame season. And then I got like three days off. And then I was right into training camp. But – uh, my, my nightmare scenario was that lockout ending when I was on the beat because I can't imagine a harder situation to rock into than you know coming in during that situation where there's no official access and you have not built a single relationship with anybody yet. Yeah, I, I was lucky where I was working at ESPN, so it was it was basically every writer that we have for the Athletic now was working for ESPN then, so it was you know Katie <laughs> and Pierre and Burnside and Cousins and Craig, all those yeah. guys. So. It was, um, yeah, it was not my not my worry. So, well, the 2010, 2013, um, 2015 thing was pretty much my last story idea. So, uh, I think I'm going to start leaning into actual hockey now, and hopefully that this comes to fruition. I think uh, we're expecting an announcement maybe on Tuesday, you know, uh, after Memorial Day, that there, there's some kind of official announcement that they're moving forward with this, and uh, then we can start getting into the nitty gritty. Let's start talking hockey again. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, and and I feel like we've. We've actually kept the podcast going too. We've had some guests, which was a little bit out of the box for us, but we've, we've persevered in the podcast too. So, yeah, we've we, we've we persevered. That's the, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yes. We're uh, heroes, basically. So, we're 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 the yeah, real heroes we're... of this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a. I missed the memorabilia blitz, uh, our memorabilia series for that like, but I actually have one coming out in the next few days. So, um, a fun little little read. So. And we got some um, silly stuff coming in June, but the, uh, we're a long time in the works, but we'll have some actual hockey for you to read too, too, uh, too soon. So uh, look yep. for that. And uh, we'll cool. be back here next week with more hockey to talk about, hopefully. Uh, enjoy your Memorial Day. Uh, stay safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Uh, everybody be good out there, all right? We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Won't you let me try?
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.